Hello, everyone, and this is the Dinner Party Podcast presented by Alex and Co. The Dinner Party is a community for growth, love, and prosperity in all areas of life. From entrepreneurship and food to life and love, the Dinner Party is giving you a vibe. So grab a cocktail and an hors d'oeuvre, and I'm your host, Alexandria. And again, welcome to the Dinner Party. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. So welcome back to the Dinner Party Podcast. This month in July, we are coming with you with a lot of good stuff. And um, we really hope that you find something that will help you in the month of July. So I hope this podcast finds you guys well and healthy and just happy for the future and just being having a positive outlook on life because Right now, it could be extremely negative. Um, so, um, on last month, as some of you know, I was had the privilege of hosting and planning the um, Catalyst for Change conference, or Catalyst for Change virtual forum um, for Prevention Zone, Inc., which is a nonprofit that is geared towards criminal justice reform and um, helping exonerees. Um, they also help with um, children with incarcerated parents and um, positive youth development program. Um, so the uh, the whole purpose of this particular podcast, for those of you guys that wasn't able to actually join us, um, I just wanted to at least give the audio discussion of just um, how everything went. So we this was a virtual a virtual um virtual forum that was done through Zoom and the whole purpose of it was to just start a conversation on seeing how people were feeling um some of the um suggestions by thought leaders in this community um we talked media we talked um we didn't get a chance to do as much police, but we're going to do another one this um, during July where we'll be talking more about police. Our police officer that we had on um, board to do it, his system, his audio wouldn't work. So we're going to do another one with him. But this one was still good because we had two former um, law officers. We had um, we had someone from the media and um, we also had a YouTube um, duo, a mother-daughter duo, um, that basically just gave their insight on what's going on today, how people are feeling, and um, where we go, where do we go from here? Um, we also just kind of opened up the floor to discuss things like defunding the police. What does it mean? Um, how the media drives our feelings, and what's knowing what's true, what's not fact-checking. Um, we even with the, um, our mother daughter duo, we even discussed raising kids in a time like this. What, what type of discussions are you guys having? So, um, I hope you guys enjoy this. And again, this is a, this is a reaction to, um, the deaths of Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, um, and everybody else that lost their lives 
um, through police brutality or even been injured or hurt in police brutality. So um, this one, it um, I believe that it it will allow you guys to really um, what's the best word to really start thinking of your own thought processes and just thinking about your own, um, your own feelings about what's going on. And are you reacting to something that happened with anger and disgust and fear, or are you going to react to everything that's happening, um, through, uh, through, um, leadership? So we wanted to take a leadership approach, which protests and everything are great. Um, However, it's not really the healthiest thing to do. So we wanted to do something a little bit different to get the the conversation started, getting the the world um, to ask questions and to look for certain things. Um, But we, we talked a lot of good stuff. I don't want to give it all to you. I want you to listen to it. And I want you guys' feedback. So make sure that you um, rate and subscribe. Um, Reach out to us if you want to help out with Prevention Zone. Um, And also, um, just in your local communities, be a catalyst for change. That's the whole thing. We want change in our country. We want change in the way that um, the the Black community um, is treated. Anybody of color is treated. Anybody of any any color, creed, sexuality, anything. However you you are presenting yourself doesn't mean that you have to be treated any differently than someone else. And um, we don't want to be silent during this time. Um, however, we don't want to pressure people into speaking up on a comfortable that they may or may not be uncomfortable they may not be comfortable with i've been seeing a lot of posts where people are saying if you're not speaking up you're part of the problem but some people they don't have a platform to speak so don't prejudge people or cut off friendships because of that sometimes it's not about um your vocalism because um just because you say something doesn't mean that you're right or doesn't mean that it is the correct thing to do. Um, But we wanted to present this platform so then that way we can discuss topics that mean a lot at this time and find ways to be a catalyst for change. So you guys enjoy. Thanks again for um, tuning in to the Dinner Party Podcast. and. and let me know what you think. Thanks. It's going to be good. All right. So I'm recording on here already. And I have it on the Facebook Live. If you have the Facebook Live my open, Mama, can you, uh, like, mute share. It or something and share it? I did. If, any, if anybody can see my Facebook Live, make sure you share it. it uh, yeah. Also, things. Okay. So either way, however we do it, at the end of the day, it's recorded. Mama, stop rocking back and forth. Okay. It's recorded, and you need to get in the screen.
Could you halfway? Maybe it's me. It might be me. Okay. No, it's me. Okay. Y'all see me. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's a beautiful, positive Saturday morning. Amen. And we are on here promoting change and um, criminal justice reform. And uh, what else are we doing? Um, we're going to talk a little bit about COVID and see how everybody is coping. Mental health is a huge issue for us today. Um, and at the end of the day, we also want to let everybody know what Prevention Zone does, who we are as Prevention Zone. And um, yeah, so we're going to go ahead and get started. Even though we had a late start, it's okay. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all about putting out a message to promote change. So if you have not added me on Facebook, make sure you add me. My name is Alexandria Jack. Oh, and my name is Alexandria, y'all. <laughs> um, and make sure you share with your friends because then, like I said this is recorded so if you didn't have friends that was able to either get in or that was able to participate this morning you could still share it on your Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. Everybody sleep on LinkedIn but I would advise you to get on LinkedIn if you are not on LinkedIn um, also if you have a small business we want to make sure that you are posting your small business in the comment section and we'll do another call out for the small businesses also so people can support you and um because we all got to make our money work some type of way because we all have money's weird right now so <laughs> we want to make sure that we're supporting everybody's business and we're supporting everybody in their mission to create change so to get started um and it, to get started we are going to start out with a introduction from the ceo of prevention zone um she's going to let us know a little bit about prevention zone what our mission is and um at the end we'll let you guys know on ways that you can help volunteer or just donate and participate with prevention zone in being a catalyst for change daphne can you go ahead and unmute yourself and just let us know what you do, who we are, and about Prevention Zone. Good morning to everyone. I appreciate everyone joining in with us. Um, you know, for some of you who already know me, no. <laughs> but anyway, so um, again, welcome you all. I appreciate everyone chiming in with us this morning to spend a little time with Prevention Zone. And as Alex stated, I'm Daphne Jack, and most of you know Alex is my daughter. And um, But Prevention Zone is all about, and I'm just paraphrasing our mission, but it's all about doing a change where our goal is to provide resources to the exonerees, um, assist children that have an incarcerated parents, and then our positive youth development program. And so as everyone know the climate that is happening now, we you know, have seen so many negative things and all we hear is all the negative talk. So what our purpose here today is to come on and just say there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And, and so and we were very selective in who we wanted to come on because I know you all are about positivity and, and, and coming on to let us know how we move forward. And so uh, again, I'd like to welcome you guys and, and um, 
let's get this party started. Thank you, Alex. All right, so we're glad to hear from our um, founder and CEO of Prevention Zone. What she didn't tell you is her mission that she started this um, whole um, nonprofit was um, based off of her extreme, extremely long um, resume within the criminal justice system. And so she has been able to see the ins and outs of the criminal justice system from the parole point of view, as well as from um, private investigator point of view, from um, and even going through um, as a family going through the system ourselves, um, we've been able to see all different um, facets of um, different sides of the criminal justice system. Because it's one thing to um, see it on TV on Law and Order, but it's another thing to actually go through with it. So just to get everybody um, started with, just to start off with our first question, in general, um, one thing that is affecting us outside of the criminal justice system is COVID-19. So I know a lot of people are working from home. Um, we're mostly staying home. And here in Houston, for example, our numbers have gone out, gone back up tremendously, just in really in, in general in Texas. So um, if anybody wants to start off with that, you could just um, raise your hand and unmute yourself and we'll go ahead and, uh, and get started. Just let us know how you're doing um, coping with COVID right now. And everyone introduce themselves as you go in. Right. And let us know who you are and what you do and then we'll, um, we'll go from there. If don't nobody say no, I'm gonna start calling you out. <laughs> I'll start. Okay. Yeah, I'll start. <laughs> Liz Fobles out here in New York, which uh, used to be the epicenter of this COVID crisis, but um, we have managed to to work our way through. And as our uh, governor, who we're very proud of, has said on several occasions, we have bent the curve. So uh, don't be, don't despair. There's hope. Uh, it's it's a long ride. This wave is very, very tumultuous, but um, we've been there and we empathize and we sympathize and we know what you all are feeling and going through. Trust me, it, it, it's not easy, but it's possible. Anything's possible with God, right? So um, just right. be patient. Um, I, this is my opinion. It's not a hoax. I mean, you know, there are conspiracy theorists out there. Everybody has their opinion about what COVID is, what COVID is and where it started and how it's going to end. We lived it. And uh, there were losses in my family. There were losses in the families of other people. So um, if it was a hoax, I wish, I wish we knew about it because uh, it, it hit us hard. So for us, it's real. And I feel the, the respect and the deference is due to everybody going through it in their own way because to them it's real. Just just don't give up hope. Um, I have been working from home. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Alex, I, I missed the, the order of things. Liz Fobless, working from home. Uh, I have a literary <laughs> company. <laughs> I just wanted to give you guys hope. I have a literary company called Million Dollar Pen Inc. where um, I ghostwrite for first-time authors, even some authors that have actually done books but just don't have time to write it. So people that have a story, people that want to convey a message, even people that just want to update their social media or write a blog, they come to our company and they just give us their ideas, their concepts, their ideals, 
and we take their words and their thoughts and we mold it and put it out there for them. So uh, it's something that I'm very proud of. It's something that I'm very passionate about because at the end of the day, for me, it's about our voice. It's about what messages we convey, how we convey it, to whom we convey it, and how far it goes out. I cater a lot to children and young women. I've written a few books um, entitled You Have a Superpower because I think every one of us, whether we know it or not, and we do. We have a superpower, whether it's to talk about this, whether it's like Daphne to have worked with people and to share her experiences so we know what it's like from different perspectives, uh, whether it's just people that work in law enforcement, that work in journalism like I did, like Baby Girl uh, in, in the Jenna Jackbox. I can't wait to hear her name and her story. You have a superpower too, Baby Girl. We all have the superpower that we can make a change in some way, somehow in our own individual way. And that's a message that I try to get out there every single day. Nobody's voice is irrelevant. Nobody's actions should be discounted because uh, separately, they might not make a big difference, but with forums like this, and thank you so much, Daphne and Alex for assembling us, we can really make some noise. You've seen what the protests can do. So we exactly. keep talking, we keep gathering, we keep informing and coming together and spreading the word, I re I, we're gonna get to the other end of this and have a testimony. I know we will. And it's gonna be amazing and beautiful and it's gonna help young girls, like, like baby girl, I'm gonna get your name soon because I'm, I'm in love with her, she's beautiful. But it's gonna help her know there's nothing's impossible. And, and this is what forums like this do. So I appreciate it, thank you. I'm humbled for being asked and I can't wait to hear what, what, what comes of this. All right. I appreciate that. I'll go uh, next. next. <laughs> go ahead and go next. Hey, am I on? Yes, ma'am. We don't see, we just see your forehead. Set your camera down if you can. Yeah. Okay. Am I on, guys? Ramona. Yes, we Hi, see. Ramona. Guys, we see my you. name is Ramona Smith-Hall. I'm a, a registered nurse for mental health. Uh, just prior to retiring, I let my board certification go, but I was board certified in mental health. And I did a lot of time, probably about 21 years, at the Department of Veteran Affairs. And through my career, I've worked with children, adolescents, uh, the elderly, um, regular general population, uh, chemical dependency, schizophrenia, the whole line of mental health because, of course, I was a VA nurse. I've also done mental health um, case management and worked in home care. But a little bit about how I'm coping with COVID. I am 61 years old. I have immunosuppressive disorders. Uh, my daughter, my um, son has asthma and he uses med medicine. My granddaughter has asthma and she uses medication. So we're pretty much stuck in the house. We maybe leave the house once a week with masks and gloves and everything. My granddaughter said this is so different from Houston because she has no friends. There's no place to go or anything like that. Morgan Point Resort is a little small city in Belton, Texas. And it, we don't have a lot of stuff here. It's for people that are basically retired and we have a lot of retired military here, which uh, my husband and I were both in the military. Uh, so it has been difficult. The only thing I can honestly say 
is because I've been in, uh, because I have no other choice, uh, I've saved money because I haven't been out shopping so much. But I have a lot of things to bring to you guys today about statistics um, with mental health, especially in African-Americans. Uh, some of the statistics, if you look at statistics today and you looked at it last week, it's a little bit different. But the resounding thing is African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Native Americans, we are at higher risk for mental health disorders simply because of a lot of the situations that we live in. So we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Perfect. Perfect. Um, I will pass the mic to Jack Girl Magic, Jenna and Brianna. Hey, y'all. Hi, everybody. Hi. Um, as Alex said, I'm Jenna Jack. This is Brianna mm -hmm. Jack. Um, and we are Jack Girl Magic. We have a YouTube channel that we affectionately call Jack Girl Magic. And when we started our YouTube channel as a mother and daughter channel, we just wanted to talk about makeup and fashion and, you know, just fun things. But now that the climate has changed, we've started um, spotlighting Black-owned businesses on our channel to try to promote those businesses and push more customers their way. So if anybody has a, um, a small business they'd like for us to feature, um, let us know. But um, so we're just, uh, I, I'm a, a banker. I work for Wood Forest National Bank. Um, and uh, we also have um, a company called Brian Jack Productions. My husband, Brianna's father is a musician. So he has a Zotico band. Um, he has a recording studio that he records other musicians in and um, Brianna loves music. She said she didn't want to talk because she was too shy because she didn't know anybody. But Brianna loves to sing and dance. And so she's, you know, trying to father, uh, follow in her father's footsteps. But um, we actually were born on the same day. We shared the same birthday and we just have a very special bond. And we we try to keep that going through our YouTube channel. Um, she, I have two other children, two boys. Um, and so we just, you know, during COVID with three children who don't want to stay in the house, it's been very challenging. Um, I did have a couple of months where I was able to work from home and they got very spoiled by that, but I am back in the office. I have, um, all of my teams are, are in the office. So I went back into the office so I could support them. But, um, the kids are just trying to enjoy their summer the best they can. We're trying to stay safe, keep our masks on, and, um, you know, stay in the house. So thank you, Alex and um, Aunt Daphne, for having us. We are very um, happy and blessed to be here. All right. And let's go ahead and go to the Jerome's. Hey, y'all. Good morning. Good morning. How are y'all doing? I'm Akira Jerome. I'm a former police officer and for the last 10 years I've been working as a medical assistant. Um, and with COVID, you know, we have five kids and so it's kind of challenging with our younger kids to ensure that they're cleaning their hands, wearing their, their face masks when we go out and things like that. But just working on the front line um, on a daily basis, I'm realizing that um, it's our behavior. You know, we have to follow the rules. We have to, um, you know, wash our hands, wear our face masks, don't touch our faces when we're in public places because 
COVID is real. It's definitely real. It's been around since the 1960s. Um, they just never had a cure for it and it's progressing. So the names are changing. And so um, it definitely can attack us who have underlying conditions and then different populations. However, um, I've seen 20 year olds pass away. I've seen 20 year olds and 17 year olds contracted and not having the typical cough or fever. I have patients coming in just with a sore throat and that's it, they have nothing else. So just be mindful, continue to spread the word, you know, that it is real um, and that it can attack your body tremendously whether you have conditions or not. Hi, my name is Aki Jerome, like my wife, I'm a former New Orleans police officer. Um, um, I'm also a military veteran. I served in the United States Navy Reserves for 12 years. Uh, I'm currently employed as a police officer with, uh, with the Federal Reserve Bank. And I'm also an adjunct professor uh, at Long Star College here in the Houston area. Um, with COVID, my experience with COVID, uh, I have one of the underlying health conditions. Uh, I have hypertension and um, uh, so therefore it has caused me to, you know, kind of be, you know, extra careful with my activity. Uh, I still get the opportunity to do things like ride my bicycle and things of that nature. And also um, what it has allowed for me to do, and I thank God for it, it has, has allowed for me to commit more time to reading God's word. So it gives me complete peace, uh, peace and also uh, to spend quality time with my family. So that's been my experience as well. So. Yeah, it has its ups and its downs. And uh, hopefully so, everybody, we will be able to go through with more ups than downs through all of this. Um, let's go ahead and hear from um, Dr. Jermaine Johnson. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, I just want to, I want to uh, yes, sir. Okay. I'm sorry, I, I had someone that was trying to log in. Good morning, everyone. I just want to thank uh, uh, Sister Jack, both of the Jacks, for inviting me here. Um, it's it's been uh, uh, challenging the, the the with the COVID nineteen. Uh, one is because um, you know just not being able to move around how you you normally do, and so um, it's been a it's been a challenge. But there's also been some good sides to it because. Um, I got an opportunity to relax a little bit because I don't know if you all uh, experienced it, but before COVID-19, it, it seemed like I was just going, going, going. And then when COVID-19 happened, it was, it was kind of relaxing. So uh, like you said, it's been up and down, but uh, most of all, it's been good. I've been blessed, still have a job. Uh, health is good. So I, I like to look at the positives. Uh, of it all so that's about it that's great that's great that's great exactly it's been for some it has been more ups than downs it has been a way for people to stop and <laughs> and think about other things um let's get to our last um panelist mr jonathan preston hey jonathan Hey, how are you? Glad to be a part of this uh, panel. Um, I am a uh, police officer full time for two years 
and here recently, just prior to COVID, uh, resigned to reserve status. So uh, at this time, I manage and run a an essential business, an entire repair plumbing company. So uh, on my end, we've been forced to get out there uh, because plumbing, water, and sewage is a, a health concern. You know, I've been down literally in the mud and the dirt dealing with stoppages, you name it, so uh, water leaks. So we've been uh, out here uh, working. I thought it was going to slow down a little bit for a week, uh, but after that, since COVID, we've been uh, running around the clock. So uh, that's, that's my end. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. So we're going to change gears a little bit. Um, so as we all know, um, police brutality or just um, working with the police department is not an old thing. Um, for me, myself, I rely on the police. I live alone. I do not have parents that could run over here real quick to come and save me. But I, at the same time, I want to make sure that when I call on them, that they will be there to help me and not harm me. And again, with that, we have to realize that, that not every police officer is the same. Just like we all are different individuals, not every police is the, um, is the same. So when we come in contact with them, we want to have a positive end to our um, experience with the police officers. So um, with the death of George Floyd, it did wake up the masses, um, woke up people that never been woke up before. And again, this, like I said, this is not new. This is not something that never happened before. This is something that was because it's 2020 and we can record everything and everything can move so fast. That's why um, they used to tell us in, um, in school, because I'm a PR major, well, not a PR major, I'm a PR graduate. Um, <laughs> they used to tell us in um, school that when in crisis management, when celebrities send like nude pictures and stuff, it travels fast. It's the same for everything. It travels so fast all over the world and it woke up so many demographics, so many people, so many uh, organizations and everything that would have never been put onto this ever before. So um, we're gonna take some time out and these questions are gonna mainly be um, put to um, Jonathan, Jermaine and Keith. We're going to um, limit you guys to answer these questions for time purposes. So when coming in contact with the with the police de department and Keith, we did speak um, before and you said they're supposed to be called peace officers. And so what ways, um, what ways should we be uh, dealing with the police or what are your thoughts after this, this has happened? And we can start with um, Keith. 
I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, Daphne. Uh, Post that question again. I didn't. I didn't get the complete question. Oh, so um, so basically, I know that me and you we spoke before, and we talked about how the police officers are supposed to be peace officers, and um, we people are now at the point. I'm gonna repose the question again differently, but people are now at the point where they don't want to call the police for anything. But like I said, me being a single woman that live by herself. I gotta call the cops and I have to call them to help me in different situations. What ways, um, what ways should we be interacting with the police at this um, time now? Well, I mean, you know, everything, I think personally, I think that uh, uh, communication is, uh, is the heartbeat to any relationship. And I think that, you know, um, that transparency is also a vehicle for accountability in terms of, you know, as far as the police, police officers are concerned, or police departments, I should say. Uh, and you should never fear, no citizen should never fear uh, calling on the police because, you know, every police officer in each respective jurisdiction has an obligation because they sworn under oath to protect and serve. That's part of their job. Um, I think the way we can begin to reconcile some of the uh, wounds that has been uh, that has been inflicted uh, with all this, the recent, you know, uh, police brutality incidents that's been going on, I think that they first and foremost we just need to start having open and honest dialogue. Um, secondly, we gotta hold the police accountable. Um, I kind of wrote down five things that 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 we can do, or what police de departments can do to kind of um, begin to restore uh, relationships within you know these jurisdictions that each police department uh, kind of mans or whatever. Uh, one, we we need to uh, make sure that we institute community policing. Uh, because community policing is built on finding ways to optimize positive contact between police officers and community members. Um, secondly, we need to demilitarize these police departments. Uh, I think that as opposed to police officers, I think uh, we were, me, me and Dr. Johnson was on a on a uh, Zoom call last week or week before last, and we was we had the opportunity to speak with uh, uh, Sheriff uh, Garcia here in here in Harris County. And one of the things that he, he he mentioned was the fact that you know police officers when they go into these uh, communities of color, they go in as warriors, as opposed to when they go into uh, white communities or Caucasian communities, they go in as guardians. And I think that that needs to change. That that whole approach, when they go into these, these communities of color, that whole mindset really needs to change. So we need to get rid of that demilitarized mindset or occupying force when we go into these communities of color. Uh, the third thing is, uh, the third thing we need to do is uh, appoint, because uh, I don't just think that that it's just the police department per se. The police department is just one component of the criminal justice system. You know, we have corrections and we have courts as well. But we need to uh, 
start appointing independent prosecutors uh, when they are uh, tasked with the responsibility to oversee a lot of the police brutality that takes place in our society. Uh, we need to have someone that's neutral and detached because a lot of times prosecutors form relationships with police, police officers uh, because of uh, their case logs and when they go out and affect arrests and stuff like that. So they develop this relationship with them. So a lot of times they have a tendency to be more biased towards police officers when it comes to them having to uh, prosecute them for a crime or a civil rights violation that they may have committed uh, within that, that, that respective jurisdiction. Uh, the fourth thing I think they need to do is um, set up a civilian complaint review board. Um, I think that would be instrumental in uh, making sure that that police are being held accountable to the very citizens that they are sworn to protect. And, uh, and that way they can um, ensure that, that when something happens, these police officers are being held accountable because once again, their job is to protect and serve and they work for the taxpayers. So they need to make sure that they're being held to these, uh, these citizens. So I think that would be very effective as well. And then the fifth thing, uh, I believe, um, to provide some type of racial uh, bias training because, you know, one of the things that I share, you know, with a lot of my students, I ask them, I post the question, I say, do you, do you think that you are, uh, do you think that you have a prejudice and, uh, or do you think you are prejudiced? And uh, some of them say yes and some of them say no. And I tell them that we all have prejudices, uh, whether it's prejudice against one's race, one's uh, culture, one's religion, uh, background or affiliation, we all have a, a, a prejudice. But the, I think the challenge or the problem with police officers is, uh, or with anyone that have these prejudice, prejudices is when we act upon them or we impose these prejudices on other people, especially when we are in a position of authority. I think that becomes a real problem uh, with police officers in the community. And, uh, and I believe that if we, if, if they, you know, they're talking about reform, I think if they kind of implement these five steps, I think that would kind of help, uh, it, it'll serve as a prelude to uh, helping a lot of police departments throughout this country uh, with their uh, goal or objective in trying to really implement true police reform. Thank you. That was, that was great. That was great because we have to come up with a plan to um, to start motion and start curating something that would help us interact um, a lot better with the police officers and the police officers to interact better with us. And I'm extremely for community, um, building a community around that. Um, so for um, Dr. Johnson, I do have a question for you. Um, so given that you are a professor in criminal justice, what are some of the things that, um, that you've seen that has affected either your students or just um, some, some visuals that you have seen that is getting the criminal justice riled up for change? Hmm. Um, 
so so let me make sure I get the question right. Um, what have I seen that has riled up, I guess, criminal justice reform? Is yes. That... Yes. Okay. What what have you seen that could be basically a catalyst to start changing um, outside of? Um, well, let me say what has been a um, a catalyst to get everybody riled up with reform in the criminal justice um, criminal justice system, which should have been done a long time ago, but now it's more prominent than ever. Yeah, I, I think we what we're seeing now. I think we've been on the cusp of this for for some time. Um, not only just uh, as as Professor Jerome said, not not just with the police component, but also uh, with the courts and, and prisons, because uh, African-Americans and Hispanics are disproportionately represented in the uh, prison system. And, and so we see these disparities and we've been seeing them for, for quite some time. Uh, as it relates to, to police, however, uh, I, I do wanna say this to everyone that the majority of police uh, that you see uh, want to do the right thing. Uh, the majority of them are good people. It's, it's uh, unfortunate that we have a small amount of individuals uh, on the police force that we as citizens through the media generalize the whole. And, and that's not true because the majority of police officers want to do the, do the right thing. Uh, Police officers are, are, are put in various situations that uh, call for, calls for them to react, not so much think. See, see, after we see it on, on television, we're thinking. We're, we're saying what they should have done, how they should have. They don't have time to do that. A lot of times they're just trying to react. Unfortunately, they may make uh, the wrong decisions, but uh, they're put in, in bad positions sometimes. So. Uh, I just wanted to kind of say that. Let's see. Um, one other thing I want to say, remember when we're talking about community policing as it relates to policing the community, if you analytically look at that, community policing is, um, is something that's not for all communities. So your upper and your middle and upper class communities they don't need community policing. They, that, that's ingrained with, within their community. Uh, so when we look at community policing, it's mostly for our minority neighborhoods, our disadvantaged neighborhoods, our neighborhoods of people of color. We need community policing because we have a us versus them type of mentality. And so we have to try and bridge that gap between the mindset of police and the mindset of the community. And so that's what, as Professor Jerome was saying, that's what we're trying to do uh, for, for, for these uh, type of communities. But what I will say is this, police officers, the reason why their mentality is like that is because a lot of our minor minority communities are crime-ridden. So when they go into these communities, they don't necessarily look at everyone in that community as people. They look at them as criminals. So their mindset is a little bit different. I'm not saying that it's right, but this is how police officers look at them. So there's several things that we have to begin to do to train these police officers to get their mindsets together. But also this is an opportunity for us to train our people, particularly because we have a mindset that the 
that the police are our enemies, we have to train our people to comply now and complain later. Comply now, complain later. We've never won a court decision on the street. I don't care about right and wrong. I want the life to be here today. So comply now and complain later. Wow, that was great. Um, that That is very true, given the climate of the time, because a lot of people now are going into anger and complaint mode and ready to fight the police. And like I've said before, not every police is um, looking to kill black people because that's the <laughs> being that I'm 29. I do um, interact with a lot of people my age. And so that's the biggest thing. The police trying to uh, kill black people. That's all they want to do is kill black people. And I'm like, now I'm gonna need them to come and help me when somebody breaks into, if somebody ever breaks into my house, um, somebody broke into my car the other week. I could have, I should have called the police, but I knew it was my fault because I left the door unlocked. But that was the opportunity <laughs> to need the police, and I don't want to have a bad relationship with the police. So, um, okay. Um, so we're gonna move on, and then um, if Jonathan get his um, get his technical difficulties underway, I'm gonna come back to him for a question. But now I kind of want to move the mindset onto, um, well, not the mindset, I want to move the um, questions. Um, Jenna, I'm getting ready to ask you a question. Um, my question being that you have smaller kids and um, this is something that is very, um, could be very traumatizing to our younger generation that's coming up. Cause I watched something the other day where a little girl said that because of my skin tone, I don't feel like I have opportunities. And to already come into that mindset at a very young age, it's very hard to um, to take that and be okay with hearing the child say that when there's a lot of opportunities for everybody, but it's just the mindset of the upbringing and the mindset of the people that they're around. So what are your thoughts on everything that's going on now, given that you have smaller children? Well, um... So as I mentioned before, I have two boys. They're um, 10 and 12 years old, um, but they are African-American boys. And so we have the conversation, even before the George, George Floyd murder, we've had these conversations about how we conduct ourselves with police, you know, how, quite frankly, how they need to survive police interactions. And we talk a lot about complying now and complaining later. And my boys, even Brianna at eight years old, they know if they ever encounter police, what to do. And it's, it's heartbreaking as a parent that my children being so young know what to do, but I feel like with the world that we live in, I had to teach them those things. You know, my boys walk to the park now, you know, I finally let them go to the park by themselves. Well, you know, we know children get killed at parks. You know, my 10 year old loves to wear hoodies. We know what happens, you know, when you wear hoodies. So we have very, very difficult conversations in our household, um, you know, about, you know, police are here to protect us, but unfortunately there are some bad police. You know, there are bad people everywhere and they may be in uniform, they may not be, but um, 
you know, my biggest thing is to prepare them for the world because I'm not going to be here to protect them every second of every day, you know. Um, as far as my children feeling like they're less advantaged because of their skin color, you know, we haven't really had that problem in our household because we talk so much about um, rising above those things. You know, we live honestly in a predominantly white community. My children go to a predominantly white school. And so they come home with questions about, well, you know, so-and-so said this, or, you know, so-and-so said black people can't read. My 12 year old had that not too long ago, you know? So we have a lot of conversations. Jenna, we can't hear you. Uh-uh. You just, your volume went out. Okay, hold on. Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah, now we can hear you. Okay. It went out again. <laughs> no, we can't hear you. Okay, we're gonna come back to you because um, I, I might have another question for you. Um, so just, okay, Jonathan, you good? Because I had a quick question for you. Well, you have to tell me, how, how does it sound now? Is it still you still kind of, Yeah, it's still kind of slow on there. Okay, let me try one more thing. You can come back to me, come back to me. Okay, okay. All right, um, so we're gonna change gears real quick. Um, and then Jenna, have you tried it again to see? You wanna try it one more time? I don't know, it's still not, it's still not coming on, but I'm, um, we gonna, let's go ahead and switch gears for time purposes, cause we don't wanna hold you forever. Um, cause this is a conversation that can go on all day. Um, so the next question, we're going to tap into mental health um, right now. So I'm going to give this question over to Ms. Ramona. Um, with the given circumstances of the world today, um, COVID included, um, and well, let's, let's focus it on police brutality and the community of policing. Now, when people seen the video of George Floyd, I personally could not get past three seconds um, of the video because <laughs> I, I have a hard time looking at things like that. But people are now focused on, um, it sparked a lot of anger. What, um, and I said that it kind of um, could create a post-traumatic stress disorder, um, or if that's the right term, what are some things that you've seen that could be more of a reaction opposed to a way of stimulating change? You're going to see high degrees, and this isn't just me saying it, this is what statistics are saying, that because of this, especially the, the protests and the uh, riots and the whole uh, issue that kicked it off, which was the murder of George Floyd, uh, you're going to see, and COVID, you're going to see uh, all communities needing mental health um, evaluations and mental health services. Uh, you'll see more depression and more um, anxiety because 
your post-traumatic stress disorder is usually if it's occurred multiple times, something that, now you can take racism and people that's grown up and really extremely racist states are racist areas and they have been marginalized, they've been put down, they've been disparaged over years and years and years. That could be symptoms of PTSD. But just the George Floyd thing in and of itself, uh, of course, you've got to look at Breonna Taylor and you've got to look at Tamir Rice. You've got to look at all of the ones that came before them. Because even though white uh, stream media, they want people to believe that these riots were about George Floyd. No, they were not. They were about a lot of things that's been uh, happening. The fact that black and brown people, they are on the front line of the uh, service jobs, like your fast foods, your retail, your working in the uh, <clears throat> meat packing places. Most of those jobs were held by black and brown people who were making lower wages. So it's a lot of things. This, this protest, it isn't just one thing. And I really, I really hate it when I read on social media, why now? Why are they doing this now? Why George Floyd? It's not just about George Floyd. It's about so many other things. Um, just really quick, I just want you guys to know this. Now, this is from American Psychiatric Association. 40% of Black youth and are in the criminal justice system and 45% are in foster care. 25% of African-American youth have been exposed to violence that leads to PTSD. African-Americans are twice as likely to have schizophrenia. And I have some thoughts about that. African-Americans are also tw uh, twice as likely to have diabetes and 10 times more likely to have some form of heart problems. 25% of African-Americans are uninsured. Now that says a lot of things and then it goes on to say that even though white youth are usually more um, diagnosed with depression because they seek treatment, your black youth are more likely to commit suicide. So that says a lot, and I know there's a lot of positive things that are being said on this podcast, but the reality is until we put systems into these disenfranchised neighborhoods, we are not going to see a lot of positivity. We have to put the systems in there. What are some of those systems? There are very few black psychiatrists and black psychologists. Now, am I saying that to work in a black uh, mental health facility, you need to be a black provider? No, you need to be a person that understands the systemic racism that black people have lived with, how black people are disenfranchised, how black people feel about themselves as opposed to how they would feel about a white person. So what we need is a couple of things. Uh, th there's one thing that just comes to mind very quickly. I know everyone knows that the federal government have these programs that they will send doctors to school and sometimes they'll send nurses to school, but then they have to work for the federal government for a while. Why can't we put something like that in our communities? 
we have people in our communities. We have black people that may or may not live in our communities because they live up in Hollywood or somewhere. But why can't this money come into a program specifically for black children, Hispanic children, Native American children who want to become mental health nurses, psychologists, doctors? Why can't we do that? We have a legal person on here. I mean, it would be a huge endeavor because you would have to have legal involved to make sure that they uh, complete their contract. But why can't we do something like that? Why can't we look at constructs that can help these inner city neighborhoods? Just because you don't live in one doesn't mean that you can't help one. Uh, like the lady that was on before me, we live in a majority mixed area because it's military. Anything around Fort Hood, all the cities around Fort Hood, they're gonna be, have military in them. But my granddaughter, and this is so interesting because she's black and Hispanic. When she was in school in Houston, uh, she had a few problems. She had problems there that she didn't have here. She goes to the school here and she came home and she told me, because she's uh, 17. She told me, she said, mom, there's more people that look like me there. They're light-skinned, they got the, you know, the really fluffy hair and everything, curly hair, but that's just interesting. And my son went to school over here since he was like in uh, middle school, and he's never had a problem at all with anybody saying anything crazy because it's, these are better school districts. And I hate to say that, I really hate to say that, but BISD is better than HISD. And that's just the truth. So what can HISD do? Once again, those constructs that go into black neighborhoods that help us to figure out what all we need in these systems. Um, another good thing would be a agency like yours, except you guys are doing something specific for exonerees. Why don't we bring these constructs into the neighborhoods where we have things for the children? Because yes, the children are our future. They, they really aren't, there's no other way of looking at that. So that would be my takeaway. We need to put things into these black communities, how to work with police, but we also need to address mental health, social, economical, and all the whole uh, gamut of things. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I think that that is a great idea. Thankfully with um, Prevention Zone, one of the things that I am all for is our positive youth development. Um, that we have that program for. And the difference between ours is um, everybody's included. So one thing that I know my mom wanted to bring out was, was in the difference between ours and other youth development is we don't necessarily gear towards just the quote unquote at-risk child. We even bring in the kids, like I would say for myself, I'm not a kid, but for my younger brother, we live in a Jewish community. And so it's a little bit different than if we lived in a regular black community, we don't have a lot of our peers around us. Um, even the school that we go to, we, do, we did go to um, HISD, my brother's at HISD now. And um, there isn't a lot of um, things for in being black in a predominantly white school um, but there is, um, but, and it's not enough for just the black student in general or the, um, 
the uh, minority student in general when you come through that. So we're going to change gears um, just a little bit because I wanted to tap into one topic um, in particular. So racism in the media. So I wanted to speak to Liz about, since she is a person of the media, um, and so being that I'm a PR person and understand the media and the messages of the media, sometimes it's hard for me to watch the news because um, I can see how the, the message that the media is presenting to the public is not always, not only that is not always true, it's, um, it's exploded into something that it doesn't have to be and ultimately blankets over the actual issues. So like when we seen the riots and everything, they focused on more of the buildings burning, the people acting crazy in the street, but there was a lot of peaceful things happening that nobody heard about. And we know the media is all about blood, guts, and tears, but what should the people be using the media to do opposed to just looking for the the deaths and the the damaging things that could create these mental disorders that um, we just spoke about. Well, uh, you raise an excellent point. And it's something that I, as a journalist, it, it's frustrating. And I know, Alex, you've expressed your frustration with it too on your end of the communication sector. Uh, the bottom line about media is it, it's about money, it's about revenue, it's about gaining sponsors. I mean, it's just that's just the reality of it, you know? Mm -hmm. As much as you would love to see that the basic news organizations and, and the basic networks are, are nonpartisan and looking to just tell the truth and looking to tell it in a very balanced way, which is how I've always learned it, um, that doesn't always feed the bottom line. Um, if, if it's not sexy, it's not going to sell. And that is just the basic reality of it. I would love to see news organizations like, um, I'm a big fan of NPR. Um, I'm a big fan of PBS. I'm a big fan of organizations that are not driven by the dollar. And uh, that could be a, a, a utopia that I'm living in as a journalist, because I know that that is not the prevalent source for news these days, but it, it actually starts now with the reader, it starts now with the viewer, and it starts now with, with people like us. You have to find that middle ground in your news, because you already know, we're, we're all intelligent people, you already know that the news is going to find what is going to stir you up. And you already know that when you turn on the TV, no matter what station you're watching, they're going to try to outdo each other because there's that competitive nature. And you already know that you're going to find somebody that's far left and far right. We have to start educating ourselves and informing ourselves by, we can watch all the news organizations. We can, but we need to take a step back and say, okay, fact checked. With words like fake news running around, I really wish fact checking was as prominent in the vernacular of looking for news than that fake news moniker. Fact check it. I mean, it's all a keyboard away. We have these phones, we have these expensive laptops, computers, iPads. If you think that something is not right, or if you're dissatisfied with the way something has been reported, fact check it. Dig deeper. You can inform yourself. 
I think what has happened, Alex, is we are relying far too much on other people to tell us things. We are not going out and looking and seeking the information. We're not educating ourselves and we're not informing ourselves. Uh, we, uh, we, we sit back and we allow a news organization to feed our mind with information. And that is, it's not only dangerous because you're yeah. making people, it's a robotic way of, of not only culling information, but it's a robotic way. Now, now you've ingested this and you're spreading that information to your basic community or you know your network or your connections and it's becoming so pervasive that we're sharing either information that is not accurate or information that is not fully vetted so there are like there are good cops everywhere or police officers or peace officers to use a, a better a better term. There are good journalists. There are journalists that really just want to get at the truth. And there are journalists that that want want to do their best to present a, a very unbiased view of what's happening. Unfortunately, those journalists work for news organizations that again are trying to remain competitive, are trying to feed the bottom line. So it's it's just it's a very difficult topic to to talk about. It's I, I envy uh, you know someone like like Ramona or Dr. Johnson or or, or you know Professor Jerome who can actually come up with ways, <laughs> concrete ways that they can make a difference in in their realm in their industry. I literally sit here at a loss because there are some days that I sit and I say, but what about the truth? What about, why, why can't we just hit viewers and readers and people that are online with, okay, here is what we know. Here are the numbers. Here are the, the uh, statistics, um, breakdowns of communities, uh, the history of, of communities, the history of even journalism at this point, because people are people have no idea what real journalism was before it became what journalism is today. So people can actually sit back and say, okay, now that I have this basic information, let me now take accountability and responsibility and see what exactly is the truth. Mm -hmm. What's right? What exactly is just kind of feeding our need for drama, you know, and, and I think a lot of people have it. We want that adrenaline rush. We want that, we want to feel like we're watching something and it's compelling, but where it's dangerous is when it's not true. And when it's not presenting both sides of the issue. And when it's not telling a story that we need told, so we don't hear questions like, why are they doing this now? How mm -hmm. come this is just happening? Well, if as a news organization, as a journalist, as a reporter, as a writer, you don't lead that main story with, you know, mm -hmm. 10 years ago, this is what happened. Five years ago, it got worse. Three years ago, it blew out of proportion. So now, here we are. You're doing everyone that you are, are sworn to inform a great injustice. So maybe it's boring to go back 10 years. Maybe it's boring to go back five, but you know what? It's honest and it gives a foundation and it sets a standard for people to say, instead of just focusing on the now, 
let me move back a little bit and see where this began. Let's, let's try to find the root of the problem. We use the word systemic all the time, and that is the key. This is a systemic problem. It's not something that is on the surface. It's not something we can fix with a Band-Aid. It is rooted deep in our history, in our DNA, in our culture, in our communities, and that is what in my humble opinion, news organizations need to start doing with these huge platforms. Amazingly huge platforms where you can actually instruct rather than destruct a community of viewers, readers, and, and you know, online purveyors. Yes, I, I do struggle being in this industry um, a lot and being that I'm newly graduated with my PR degree it's been extremely discouraging to watch the news um, to be on social media sometimes I go on the uh, Instagram and see the different posts the main thing that I like to do is to look at the um, comments on the different things that are that showing up on Instagram and when I see the uneducated answers and thought process of a lot of people because they only look at the news and they think the news is true yeah. it's almost depressing and make you just not want to do this at all and that was part of the reason why at way at the beginning when I the first day I made it to ACU to pick my um to pick my degree I went from journalism to PR because I said with journalism I would be extremely depressed <laughs> because I knew at a young age that the news was not geared to actually be honest and inform. Um, it was geared to create an audience. And so I would rather work for an organization like my mom's and um, build relationships with people to let people know what's happening. Because if we look very recently, within the past few days, the gears literally changed from um, right when George Floyd, when everything happened with George Floyd, it changes, it changed from COVID-19 to um, we got to defund the police. And so people forgot that um, you could still get sick from the coronavirus. And they were out there maskless and everything. And um, everything just changed. And mm -hmm. so now we have higher numbers in COVID-19. And people are still trying to figure out, like, how can I still promote justice in the criminal justice system or justice in my community and still be safe from the coronavirus without touching nobody? So um, now I want to send out a question. If Jonathan, if you are on, um, I have a question that is go pertaining to um, our next quick topic. Um, let me see if he's on. Let me see if I can go through it. Okay, I think we might have lost them. Um, but given that, because um, we wanted to talk, I did want to ask him this question, which I can gear towards um, Keith or Dr. Jermaine for this question. The biggest question that's out there is when people say defund the police, it's hard to actually know what that means because like we just spoke on, the media says defund the police. If we defunding the police in my head, being who I am, I'm like, so I'm just going to be out here unprotected if we just just take it all away? What are we really asking for? 
Um, I see Dr. Jermaine, I have him first. So let me ask you, what do you think or what should we prepare for when somebody says defund the police? Uh, I, I think what, what they're trying to say is, uh, as a result, uh, as it relates to reforming uh, the police, is that uh, they are trying to not necessarily get rid of police agencies or police departments, but defund means to take a substantial amount of funding away from the police departments and put it in put it in into the community and social services and and so forth and so on. So when they say defund, it's more of a proactive uh, prescription. Uh, as far as trying to, you know, curtail some of these ills we have, not so much as getting rid of the police, but even with saying that, whenever you're taking, I mean, when we look at defunding, police agencies don't get a whole lot of money anyway. And so when you're talking about taking away um, funds from police agencies, you're still looking at um, putting them in positions where they're at a disadvantage. So I don't think that's I don't think that's the, the, the cure-all or the panacea. I, I think we, we need to look at some other things as it relates to uh, police community relations. Okay, because see, when people hear that, um, there's never been one answer to answer that particular question of what does defund the police? Because I've talked to people and they said, yeah, we need to defund the police, just break it all down. I'm like, uh, no, we don't need to break it all down because you might be the person I need to be protected from. So, <laughs> so it's a lot of um, it's a lot of different um, people have different synopsis of what defunding the police mean. And of course, like we stated before, the media, social media, is also something that we deal with these days um, when trying to um, decode what's being said by protesters, what's being said by the media. Um, because nobody has really explained themselves when it comes to um, basically fixing the problem. So as we start coming to a close on today, um, Jenna, did you want to, um, did you, were you able to get your mic working? We could try it one more time. I think, can you hear me? Yeah, now I can hear you. I didn't have anything else to say, but I think um, Mr. Keith has something. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, because I, I didn't see you on the thing. Go ahead. I just wanted to uh, just add to uh, what Dr. Johnson was saying about the fact that, you know, with this whole thing surrounding defunding the police, but I think I just want to add, and just as an example, uh, uh, they was talking about the New York Police Department. I think their budget is like $6 billion. I mean, some, some you know, astronomical, you know, uh, uh, price tag or whatever, budget or whatever, but I think they just want to, some of the funds that they use, I think, with some of these police departments is to uh, provide some of the militarized gear or military gear that they use, uh, and I think they want to take some of those, 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 those fundings away from them to use that monies to buy equipment like that, and, they, and perhaps they want to put it into these disenfranchised communities, I think, which would help. And, and one of the things through my own experience, and Dr. Johnson or even my wife can speak to this, we all served in this so-called unit called the task force, where we wore militarized uniforms. And one of the things through my experience that I had noticed 
uh, when I, you know, was dealing with the, the public or uh, uh, citizens within that jurisdiction or within that respective community, I noticed that their, their perception of me as a police when I had that uniform on versus the traditional uniform, the class A uniforms that most police officers wear, I noticed their perception was totally different even prior to me engaging them, even in conversation. It was almost like they were more defensive toward me when I had that militarized uniform on versus me just having on that regular traditional uniform. And, uh, and I think that's what they're talking about when they talk about defunding the police. They wanna take away some of those fundings that goes towards them purchasing militarized uh, equipment. Because once again, what it does, it plays on even the police officer's psyche. When they put this uniform on, they go in as a occupied force or as warriors versus going into these communities of color to protect and serve. And then also, I wanted to uh, just kind of expand on what Ms. Uh, Liz was talking about with the whole thing with, um, with uh, the uh, media. It's unfortunate that I think the media is a microcosm of our society. And, you know, the reason why the media produce all this fake news and all this propaganda is because we as citizens in the society, that's what we like. That's what we entertain. So, like she said, it's sexy. So that's why it sells. And that's all I had wanted to say. Thank you. And, uh, yeah. if, if I could just say one thing, yes. just to add to that, uh, this and this is with everyone watching now and and if you all can share this thing fact check your media hold them accountable because you know especially with television I mean I've been on the other side of the camera and you and and I may lose the journalism card for the we're reading <laughs> we are reading what someone has written for us now obviously journalists that are uh, more involved in the daily news, you know, performance, delivery, and writing will go in and they'll edit their copy before they read it. Not all of us do. Not all of us have time. And, you know, once you're in the chair, it's kind of just like whatever comes up on that prompter is what you're reading. Keep in mind, everyone, there are editors, producers, managing editors, news directors. There's a whole line of people that are under that anchor that you're watching or that reporter that's on the street that also need to be held accountable. So if you have a favorite television station, uh, a favorite news organization, uh, a radio station, find out the hierarchy there. Find out who's working there. Find out how the information gets from a writer to the actual person reporting it. If you hear something that you don't like, if you hear something that you think is not correct, if you need clarification about something, call them. They, have, they, they need to be held accountable too. Journalists need to be held accountable too because it's a very important job that a journalist has. We are disseminating information. You need to know that that information is real. You need to know that that information has been researched. And what we're saying to you is something you could take to the bank. And if you don't feel that way, if you don't feel safe with people that are informing you, make them accountable for it. And, and I think that that's a very important aspect of, of how we hold everyone who feeds our minds and our bodies and our hearts Hold them accountable. Don't just take it because they have a title or because they're on TV. 
Yeah, a lot of people they do hold they don't hold the media accountable. They just trust in them the moment that they see it on the thing. Because being in, so I, you guys, I've been in my first office job and I never really interacted with um, people outside of like my circle. I grew up in a church. I grew up in uh, just in a small community and my parents kept me semi-sheltered from pretty much everything. We grew up watching the news. And like I said, I knew from a young age that the news was not the most reliable thing for me to get my facts and um growing up in the church you know it's a lot of gossip in the church so you know that most <laughs> things people say is not real so growing being in the office setting with a lot of vulnerable people it's frustrating listening to them speak on how the media they heard something on the news and they heard something from this and blah 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 and it's not even the right information it's like playing the game of telephone you hear one person here from the media, then they give it to somebody else. And by the time you get to the last person, the whole story is totally different than what it was to begin with. Because everybody don't watch the news at night at 10 o'clock. So um, believe it or not, in the middle of this conversation, the media is actually the biggest culprit in um, making decisions for a lot of people and the way that we take in information and not take in information. And again, we have to take it upon ourselves and be a thought leader as well as a fact checker in our communities. So being that we are coming to a close and I appreciate everybody for coming on today and we had so much good information and we may have to do just individual Zooms with everybody, all of our panelists, just to expand the conversation even more. Um, but our last question, and this is gonna be for everybody, and I'm gonna start with Bree. Um, I just wanted to ask you guys, um, how are you gonna start promoting change in your community? What I would do, I would um, always go and protest and um, post a lot of stuff and saying Black Lives Matter, and um, my, me and my mom, a few weeks ago, we had chalk, and we wrote on um, the um, the concrete, we wrote Black Lives Matter. Exactly. I know that's right, baby girl. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, promoting change even in the youth, because that's where it starts, because all of us, we all will, I'm not, I'm 29, but I'm in the middle. Everybody else, we're old enough to watch how change has happened and not happened. And given that um, that these smaller kids are very vulnerable to a negative aspect of it from an early age, um, we want to make sure that they are able to step out and have a thought, have an opinion, and to promote positive change. Jenna, how are you promoting positive change within your community? Um, so one thing I've done recently is, as I stated earlier, I work for Wood Forest National Bank. So I asked to meet with our CEO. Um, so I met with him actually this past week and I um, gave him some ideas on what things we can do as an organization to um, you know, help with racism within the workplace and inequality. And so one thing he agreed on is for us to have a diversity council um, so we're going to start forming that within the organization and hopefully that will promote change. So more to come on that. Good. Um, Liz, go ahead and let us know how you're promoting positive change in your community. I've become fearless. 
I, I, I am no longer the, the woman that sits in the office and hears things and doesn't, you know, talk about it, or, or I hear something and I don't challenge it. Um, I have discovered the power of my voice. I have discovered the power of my writing. And I have literally just, I've promised myself that the momentum that we've built up now, I'm not going to stop. I know a lot of people have short-term memories and once everything opens up and we can go to the movies again and we can go to sports events again and out to dinner and have drinks with people, all of this is gonna come, become a distant memory. So I have made a vow to myself and anybody that I talk to that we're not gonna forget this period and we're going to just take the ball and keep moving it forward. And I'm so excited for young girls like Brianna that, that are thinking about it now um, because they have the technology, they have the community, they have the village that's going to help keep feeding them that positivity and that you stay fearless, baby girl. You keep writing it on the sidewalk and write it on the walls and you keep in your podcast and on your YouTube channel, never lose your voice. I'm so proud of you. That's your superpower. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for our future. All right, and Liz, can you give us um, ways that people can get in touch with you, contact information? Yes, ma'am. Um, everything will be under lizfoblis.com. Lizfoblis.com, all the children's books that I've geared towards, like young girls like Brianna, to have their voice will be on there. Um, the information about my literary companies out there. Um, I, I mentor, I do motivational speaking. Uh, and, and all of that information will be on LizFoblis.com. And you'll also be able to find me on Facebook as well under the same name. So please reach out, get in touch, send a message. I'd love to hear from you guys. All right. And I forgot to ask Jenna and Bree, um, give us some contact information if anybody wants to get in contact with you. Yes. So our YouTube channel is Jack Girl Magic. So just search YouTube type in Jack Girl Magic and you can find us there. Also, you can look me up on Facebook or Instagram. My Facebook is Jenna Jack and my Instagram is Mrs. Underscore B Jack. All right, perfect. Um, Dr. Jermaine Johnson, if you can um, give us your final thoughts on how you're gonna be promoting positive change in your community. Uh, well, my, mine is from a, 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 a different perspective. Uh, mine is more from a spiritual perspective. And so uh, just getting the word out about um, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because I think one thing that we are, are missing here is that everything that we are um, that we are partaking in and everything that we are experiencing is a spiritual, it's a spiritual perspective. Um, we are going at it from a physical manifestation, which is good because that's what we know how to do. But however, we have to understand that this is a spiritual um, battle that we're going through. And the reason why I say that, because if there's, in, if there's gonna be any change, whether it be uh, COVID-19, um, the disparities that we're seeing in COVID-19, um, the prison population, police, uh, excessive use of force, is all dealing with the heart of man. And you can't change the heart of man by legislation or by marching and demonstrating. That has to be changed by a higher power. And so that is gonna be uh, my, my, my way of, of trying to, to handle things. But one thing I do wanna to say to all of you all, if you do have a plan, because a lot of us have uh, 
we, we have excitement and we want to take advantage of this hour. But what, what I am seeing is, is, is that we don't have a whole lot of direction. We know we want to do something, but we don't have an end goal. But here's what I want to share with you. Whatever it is that you're planning to do, have these two things. Say to yourself, where are we going? And how do we know when we get there? Where are we going? And how will we know when we get there? God bless you. That was wonderful. I'm writing it down. Where are we going and how will we know when we get there? Because a lot of people, they see, they don't even know the actual destination that they're trying to get to. They just had a plane ticket. So um, <laughs> they just want to land somewhere. So that is so good. So we have to know where we're going and how we are going to get there. Um, so Miss Ramona, if you can go ahead and give us your final thoughts of how you are creating positive change in your community and how we can um, get in contact with you. I uh, work with uh, EEOC on cases, uh, especially things that deal with racial disparities in the workplace. That's something I'm gonna continue to do. But in terms of working in my community, I actually am going to get with my sister who lives in Houston, because I wanna work in the community that we grew up in because it's not a very affluent community. Sometimes the police don't even respond to that area, which is why I'm in favor of uh, community-based policing. But yes, my sister is also a um, parole officer, retired parole officer, and she and I have been talking about some things. So my community that I would want to work in, looking at uh, making sure that our younger children are aware of problems, and mental health is always a family issue. So we have to get the families involved. It's going to take some time because we're going to have to partner with another agency to try and get some of these constructs in place. But uh, there's government grants out there and everything. You just have to have an agency and know what you're doing. But that is my plan to work in the community that I grew up in. Okay. And how can we get in contact with you? Um, how can the people get in contact with you? Uh, just um, I, I'm on Facebook, Ramona Smith Hall. Okay. Okay, perfect, perfect. So y'all find her on Facebook, Ramona Smith Hall. And um, Keith and Akira, um, how will you guys promote positive change in your community? And um, let, us know, let us know what your plan is. Well, for me, um, I'm with Miss Liz, not being silenced. Um, you know, in, in my employment, I see a lot of different things. Um, uh, a lot of racism and actually recently I had a Caucasian gentleman who came in and everyone working that day were African-American and he acted out showing that he did not like that. He even made a statement in regards to um, him hunting coon, which we all know is derogatory um, of black people back in the day. And so, you know, I had to um, I held myself and I humbled myself because I have to realize that I want to go home at the end of the day. I also want to be able not to have someone follow me home at night. Um, however, I fought back with my employer. I let them know what's going on. I educated other employees in other entities and in other clinics and 
change has started to transition. Um, they started putting in place safety laws um, for us in, in that entity and what we can uh, or what we should allow and should not allow. And so I'm gonna continue to force, enforce that with my employer and other employers because we're like in a little strip this specific location I work at. So just getting the message out because it's institutionalized to a certain degree as well. Um, uh, first, I wanna thank everyone. Thank Ms. Jack, thank you uh, Alexandria for giving us this opportunity. But I'm like, I'm like uh, Dr. Johnson, I, you know, I believe in a spiritual approach uh, with uh, uh, changing uh, one's you know, heart or mind or whatever uh, you would have to you know, do it through uh, a higher power. Uh, but from a practical side, I think that I will continue to use platforms like, you know, such as the one y'all presented today and, and to, to just continue to engage people that, that may not even look like me. You know, like I said earlier that I believe that communication is the heartbeat to any relationship and just having, you know, open and honest dialogue with, you know, people on my job and, you know, my students and things of that nature to help to try to reconcile any differences that we may have and and uh and 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 I hopefully that would help to kind of you know uh build start building and making changes and like y'all you know y'all y'all theme is that would help with the catalyst for change. So uh once again thank y'all. You're welcome and how can people get in touch with you guys um if they have any more questions or anything like that? Well we are on Instagram blended with a purpose. You can okay. find us Okay. And then, of course, my email, um, akirajerome at gmail.com. Okay. Okay. So you said blended with the purpose on Instagram? Yes, ma'am. All right. And um, so lastly, let me see, did we get our last person back on? We didn't. Okay. Well, um, so we're going to go into ending this whole thing. Any final thoughts from the founder and CEO of Prevention Zone, Ms. Jack? Thank you. Um, I would like to thank everyone who was able to tune in. Um, it started out kind of rocky, but like Liz said, it was it's good. I'm just paraphrasing her words. Everything turned out amazing, and you know she's all the way in New York, and 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 um, she she was able to give us that firsthand experience because they were the epic city, and so um, and I appreciate my niece and great niece for coming on black girls magic jack girls magic jack girls oh, magic sorry about that <laughs> but anyway um um dr johnson miss ramona so glad to meet you finally you sound just like your voice amazing and so i appreciate you and my sweet couple keith and akira thank you thank you thank you and um Dr. Johnson, I appreciate you giving us this space again. That, that's the gentleman who, who is using my book at his college, thanks to my big brother, Carlos Wallace. But anyway, just want to throw that in. But I appreciate everyone um, um, to get in touch with us, preventionzoneinc.org. Um, go on there, check out our website, subscribe to our, um, for newsletter. Um, and it is a donate button on there too, as well. And, um, so, um, you can find us on Facebook, Prevention Zone Inc., um, Instagram, Prevention Zone, Twitter, um, Prevention Zone Inc. 
And um, I want to give a special thanks to um, my niece, Jackie. She is one of our volunteers who, who has come in and, and I'm used to doing everything myself. And, and she'll say, well, Amy, I can do it. And, and I just, I'd be like, okay, let me calm down. And so I want to appreciate her. And I want to appreciate everyone who did jump in. We, um, as a stater, we had a few difficulties, but I see my sweet couple, Molly and, and, and um, um, William. I know some other the board members, Cynthia and Angela was able to chime in. And um, I know Ms. Hayes is out there somewhere, but I appreciate everyone joining and um, we're going to do this again. Do y'all think so? Can we do this again? And I mean, like super really soon. So this is already June. Um, we, um, yeah, we need to do this again because I feel we can move forward with what all we just heard. And I think my son's football coach is on, Coach Lindsey. Um, um, I think I saw him chime in. I want to appreciate him. And he did send all the parents a note to join in and everything. So I appreciate, I just appreciate everybody for being patient and joining in. Okay, I'm through. That's it. All right. <laughs> uh, okay, Brianna, so one more thing. Brianna wanted yeah. to let you guys know that she drew a picture while we were talking and she oh. just wanted to show the picture. It's a picture of our Zoom. Look at oh. my baby. All of the participants. Look at baby girl. You got to post that, Jenna, so we can see it. I would love to see I my baby. <laughs> okay, I thank will. you. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, now um, our guests, um, Jenna and Liz and Miss Ramona, um, we have gifts for you guys. So um, after this is over, go and um, send us a mailing address to you and, uh, well, to us, and, and um, so that we can send you, you all. You can reply back to my email. Okay, yeah, send yeah. Alex's email, okay. um, how she has. Send me your mailing address because we have a little token because if I had a million dollars, I would give everybody a fourth of that. So, but I don't have it. So, <laughs> but anyway, I do have a little gift for you guys. <laughs> Thank you. All right. And on that note, we're going to go ahead and um, come to a close. And again, my name is Alexandria Jack. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with me, I have a PR company. It's alexcopr.com. Um, I'm on Instagram. I am Alex Jack. And um, of course you can get a hold of me through Prevention Zone. But again, we want to, just a few notes from everything. We want to get a positive mindset going, being a change in our community. Um, we also want to know where we are going and know when we get there. Yes. Understand <laughs> that we fact check our media and hold them accountable. We also want to make sure that we keep a conversation going in our communities because without a conversation or with silence nothing can be changed and yes, all in all with prevention zone um we want to be a catalyst for change and in order to be a catalyst for change you may not can do it yourself but you can definitely team up with organizations like prevention zone there's many organizations but you choose the organization that is upholding the the um principles that you hold up and not just anybody, because everybody want to go into Black Lives Matter, but have you, do you even know what they're talking about? No, you might not even know their mission and their standards. And there's also organizations that's copying off of that that has a whole 
mission in a statement of trying to get rid of the police, killing the police, doing fighting back in a military form. But that's not what we want to do. It's all about peace. And thankfully, with this COVID-19, a lot of us are able to be in, but allow yourself to promote spiritual change within yourself. Um, mm -hmm. Take the time out to light a candle and just talk to God or do whatever you need to do. Um, but ultimately, we're here as a way to help people with their, um, not only mentally, physically, but this is an outlet for us to go ahead and express ourselves in this time. We're not expressing negatively, and we do not want to disconnect ourselves from the police. We want to be able to work together as a community to promote change, because one of the things that we have in place is to help the exonerees. And the way to become an exoneree is to be falsely accused by the criminal justice system. So being that we are promoting change and reform in the criminal justice system, go to preventionzoneinc.com. If you can't donate, or find a way to volunteer. Alex, preventionzoneinc.org. .org, preventionzoneinc.org. Um, and it is in the comments. It, since I didn't say it right, it's in the comments so you can have it correctly. But come to places like this as a place of refuge to help your community in some way because you can't do it by yourself with one voice because sometimes one person may not sound very great, but a group of people can force walls to come down. So mm -hmm. with that being said, we are going to end this meeting. Go one ahead. more shout out. Um, Dr. Nicole Bird is, is on as well, and, and she wants to share what we're doing. So in, individually, share what we're doing, share our website so we can make this change to happen yes. now. It's on Facebook, and mm -hmm. then um, we're going to see if we can find a way. The easiest way to do it is on Facebook. If you can, yes. most people have a ton of friends on Facebook. Some friends that you ain't heard from in a long time might be wanting stuck in a place where they cannot figure out a way, how can I help my community? And mm -hmm. forums like this is going to allow them to start to vocalize what they mean. Because I've seen something the other day, when you don't say nothing, you don't stand up for change. Some, sometimes it's not because you don't want to say nothing, it's just that you don't know how to say something. And that's what we are here for. So oh. as we end this meeting, that's it, Mama, you done? That's, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm tired. We've been on here a long time. <laughs> we have. But the positive thing about it is that we are starting a conversation. Again, this is recorded, so you can share it as many times as you want to in a, in a PR way, create content around what we are doing today. So um, I might be able to slice and dice this up so we can send out some smaller things, um, smaller portions of this. But, um, and lastly, so I can finally turn this off. Um, I wanna possibly, um, since I'm the communication director for Prevention Zone, I'm going to make sure that I reach out to you guys individually because we wanna do some, not just some all the time forcing into this, because um, this can not necessarily become negative, but it can become tiring. We want to do some fun things that will allow people to get into motion of change in a fun way, because it don't always have to be in this militarized, negative way, and we got to fight back. Let's do some fun things. So in the coming months, I will be hosting, along with Prevention Zone, a cooking segment, and we're going to talk about some things as well. So. 
on that note, we're going to finally end. <laughs> Everybody have a great day. Promote positivity in your community and make sure that you visit our website. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Take care. Hey, everybody. So thanks again for joining us at the Dinner Party Podcast. We want to send a special thanks out to Prevention Zone, Inc. for allowing me to be the moderator for the Catalyst for Change virtual forum. And um, we want to make sure that you guys go out into your community and ask these hard questions. Ask about where changes are going to be made and make sure that your voice is heard. Everybody don't know the platform to get on, but Prevention Zone Inc. is a way for you to get your voice heard. So go check them out on their website at preventionzoneinc.org. Check for updates. We have a couple, and when I say we, um, I do work for Prevention Zone as the communications director, but we have um, some things coming up for the month of July and August. I'll be um, moderating a couple of other segments for them. And um, please get involved. Go check out their website. Volunteer. Donate um, towards the efforts that we have to bring and change in the criminal justice system. Now, they mainly work with exonerees, um, children with incarcerated parents, and they have a positive youth development program. So if any of those things sound enticing to you, please, please, please. Um, reach out to Prevention Zone Inc. And by the way, it is a Black-owned small nonprofit um, based out of Houston, Texas. But at some point, we will be worldwide. So um, <laughs> uh, also, make sure you guys follow us on Instagram at We Love to Dinner Party. And check out the website for Alex and Co. at Alex Co pr.com so alexcopr.com and um we, we us here at the dinner party we're just happy to be a part of a change in the united states and hopefully so one day we can put all of this behind us and be in a more positive and loving environment when it comes to our peace and protection that um that we have in our cities in the u.s so again to everybody Sending you much love and giving you good fortune and good health. And um, thank you so much for joining us at the Dinner Party Podcast, where everyone is invited. Bye-bye.